on a summer's day in the month of May, a burly bum come a hiking. He was walking all night through the sugar candy, he was looking for his liking. And as he strolled along, he sang a song to the land of Middle Canada. Hey there, this is the Sounds of the Trail podcast, a place where we talk about the ups, downs, and switchbacks of trail life. It's time for a hike. Where a bum can stay for many a day, and he won't need any money. Welcome back to Sounds of the Trail. This is episode number 25, and I'm your host, Gizmo. I'm really happy to be back with you all, and I'm even happier that my voice is back, because I have some things that I'd like to say. I've recently realized we've been picking up a lot of new listeners lately, so I want to take a minute to sort of reintroduce ourselves. If you're new to Sounds of the Trail, hi, we're happy you're here. For those of you who are unfamiliar with us, the whole premise of our podcast so far has been to follow along with a couple different hikers as they attempted through hikes of the Appalachian Trail and Pacific Crest Trail this summer. Between them, our correspondents have walked more than 4,000 miles, eaten hundreds of candy bars, broken two feet, and had one case of tendinosis this summer. If you're interested in starting at the beginning with our hikers, go ahead and start with episode one to get the whole trail experience. So if you aren't new and you've been following along this entire time, you'll know that the 2015 through hiking season is officially over for sounds of the trail. And all of our correspondents are off trail, working on reintegrating into what we sometimes call the real world and making plans for new adventures. As far as the podcast goes, we are also in a time of transition. This is the first time we've ever been a hiking podcast without any hikers. So you may have noticed that our episode releases have been pretty erratic for the past couple months. And part of that is just that I've had a really punishing work schedule lately, and then I was sick. But part of that is because Kimchi and I have been spending some time on figuring out what this podcast is going to be going from here, and what it's going to be going down the road, or or the trail, I guess. So on that front, I want to make a couple announcements. First, Sounds of the Trail will be doing a second through hiker season in 2016. I can promise that some things will change, and some things will stay the same, but I can't promise which will be which. We will definitely have more information on this when the 2016 hiking season gets a little closer. Second, for the hiking off-season, Sounds of the Trail will be switching to an every-other-week release schedule, And it's hard to say that with a straight face because an every other week schedule was actually better than we've been doing for the past couple of months, but I think we're ready to get back to business. We're planning on using the off-season to talk about some of the other trails and adventures that we haven't had the chance to talk about yet, with our focus being more exclusively on just the Appalachian and Pacific Crest trails this past summer. For instance, I've recently heard about this other long trail that I didn't even know about called the Appalachian Trail. Just kidding, guys. I've been catching some flack from the Southerners about my incorrect pronunciation of Appalachian, but it's a hard habit to break, so maybe next season? But there actually is another long trail we haven't talked much about. There are quite a few long national scenic trails in the United States and around the world as well, but the three big ones, or the triple crown to us hikers, 
are the Appalachian, the Pacific Crest, and the Continental Divide. Today we're going to focus on the Continental Divide, which is a cool trail because of the three, it's the longest, it has the highest elevations, it's the least traveled, and it has the most grizzly bears. It is also the only trail of the three where mountain biking is permitted. I'm not going to talk any more about it because we'll get a lot more details from our special guests, Bumblebee Tuna and Tony the Tiger. So let's take a listen. This is Kim Chi with Sounds of the Trail, and we're kind of veering off on a different direction, literally and figuratively. We met a really, really, really great couple. We're currently sitting in their house, and they are doing sign language to each other at their kitchen table while eating hot cheese. Not fondue. Not fondue, just spicy cheese. So... It being the end of thru-hiking season, supposedly, I'd like to kind of go off on a different tangent and start to interview people who've done different adventures, mainly because people do adventures of all different kinds, and it takes all different kinds of people to do different adventures. These guys met each other a while ago and decided to bike the Continental Divide Trail together, which is a big undertaking. So I'm going to let these guys interview themselves or introduce themselves. Let's start with you. Uh, my name is Liz. And... My name is Brian, spelled with a Y. (laughs) (laughs) We can't mess that up. Don't mess that up, Gwen. We got Brian and Liz. Um, So you guys knew each other before you hiked the Continental, or before you biked the Continental Divide. That's correct, right? Correct. How long did you guys know each other? Before we biked the Divide, probably about a year. So what the fuck, you can bleep that one out, made you decide... To bike a lot of miles, and you can tell me exactly how how many miles, together on the Continental Divide Trail. So, actually, it kind of started out, I wanted to take a break from everything and hike the Appalachian Trail. Liz was teaching, so Liz was like, I was saying, I wanted to leave in March. And Liz was like, well, wait, I'm still going to be teaching in March. I can't do that. So, why don't we do a different trip? Why don't we do the Continental Divide Trail? So, we decided to do that instead, which was a great alternative. It, it was a lot less time. It fit within her summer plans for teaching, and it sounded cool. This is going to be great. So the Continental Divide for us through hikers is the mother load. It's the beast. It's the end-all, be-all of all serious trails for hiking. How many miles exactly is it biking, and can you tell me why you would decide to do such a rigorous trail? The Continental Divide Trail is known for having very little water sources, for climbing extremely hard climbs, and for going over some of the most ridiculous terrain ever, including snow, desert, etc., etc. It's also the most grizzly populated part of the entire country. So why would you decide to do a quick little jaunt on the Continental Divide Trail, Liz, because this was your idea? This was my idea. I can take uh, full fault for it. Um, But mostly it was really the only trip that was going to fit into the two-month time frame. And that's why, like, it appealed to me. And then I sent Brian a link to this YouTube video. And it was, like, this inspirational video. (laughs) And Brian texted me back instantly saying, yeah, we're doing it. So it was definitely a big undertaking, but once we got started, it was just like a blast every day. So I forget the original question. What was the question? Man, you just totally nailed it so hard. Don't worry about it. You crushed it. So which one of you is more uh, informational based? It's probably you, right? Liz? Yeah, it's definitely Liz. Liz okay, <laughs> let's let's go for this. How many miles is the Continental? The no, no, no. How many miles is the Continental Divide, divide for biking? 
Uh, it was, I think, 2,700 and something. I was we- say 2,714. Hold on a second. Say that again. 2,714, but I'm not 100%. Don't mark my word. Okay. <laughs> we clocked. We clocked. 2,553, I believe. It's because we did hitchhike for a couple hundred miles. So how many miles do you think that would be? Because you only did it for two months. Is that correct? Two and a half months. Yeah. And on average, how many miles do you think you guys averaged on a bicycle every day? <laughs> Between four feet and 105 miles is, <laughs> is, is the range. The average, I would say, probably is around 50 to 60 miles per day. And Brian, how many miles had you been biking previously before you started this trip a day? <laughs> I mean, not not any, really. I've, I've done one bike trip myself, just a solo bike trip through Nova Scotia, which was a three-week bike trip. So I went from the tip of Nova Scotia to the other tip and, and back. Um, but that was that was the extent of my biking. Other than that, it was just random with friends and stuff. And Liz, how about you? How many How many miles a day do you think you would say you bike on average before you started this trip? I would be really proud of myself when I biked to work, which was like a 11, 12 mile bike ride. So like every once in a while I would do that. But other than that, I would do on the weekends like 20, 30 mile rides on occasion. But like I never really biked avidly before the trip. So how long did both of you guys, I guess, I'm guessing you guys tented almost every night. Is that correct to say? Almost every single night. I think, I think probably 10, 10 times at most we got hotel rooms. Yeah. And that was just when, you know, everything hit the fan. We're like, oh, we need, we need to shower. We need something. And that was it. So how many, how many nights before this bike trip would you say you guys camped outside or lived outside in your tent together? (laughs) That's a tough one. Um, I mean, we've done a bit of camping, but nothing as intense as the trip. I'd, I'd say we probably did like five, six, seven camping trips before. Small, small, small camping, camping trips. trips. Yeah, nothing, nothing too intense. Not like, you know, overnight. Yeah, I overnight. mean, I, obviously I've done that, that bike trip for three weeks, but that was the extent of what I've done. Yeah. We just kind of said, screw it. Let's, let's we go were for both, it. <laughs> we were both pretty inexperienced. We just kind of like went into it being like, screw it. Let's try it. Let's do it. Let's see what happens. And kind of worked out. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> I've I've done uh, this is my second long distance hike and I've watched a lot of couples go through uh, some extensive and intensive long distance treks and when I say treks I mean hiking I mean train hopping I mean biking and usually I would say probably seven times out of ten most couples don't really make it what happened on this trip uh, your sister kind of gave me a heads up when we hitched into town with her today but. You guys essentially, like you said, you'd only been together for really for a year, right? Before you yeah. did this yeah. trip. Yeah. So you guys did probably one of the most intensive and extensive trips, physically demanding, mentally demanding, financially demanding trips that you could ever do with not too much planning, it sounds like, and obviously not too much background experiencing doing, like, as far as athletes go. What wound up happening to you guys as a couple? <laughs> I think I think overall we handled it very well. There were, there was definitely certain times where we kind of like hit the stress point where we broke. And one of the times that sticks out in my mind for Liz <laughs> is 
we, we crossed over the Canadian border into Montana and we were going over our first pass in the U.S. And there was, there had been an avalanche recently and there was a lot of snow and the snow pushed down a whole lot of trees. So we got up to the top. We're almost to our campsite miles away. And we realized that there's snow all over the place. There's down trees. We have to like lift our heavy bikes up over the trees, go under the trees. So I start going up and over the trees and Liz is having a horrible day. <laughs> she starts, she hits her breaking point to the point where she like almost lifts her bike up over her head and screams like the Hulk. And that's where I was almost fearful for our relationship and <laughs> for the trip. But, you know, we, we got over that. That was just a very, very short, brief moment in time. But that, you know, that was destined to happen at some point. And Liz, what about for you? Like, what do you, what's your take on that? Um, I, my feelings are if you can get through a two and a half month bike trip, you can probably get through anything because you're going to see each other at the best and at the worst. Because any adventure like this, you have this full swing of emotions and you're going to be the most excited when you reach the top and you're on a high but you're also going to experience those moments where you're hungry, you're tired, you're angry, you're frustrated, and you're going to experience them all together. And it, you you might as well see that all because that's what life is. It's highs, it's lows, it's the good, it's the bad. And I just feel like we got to see that probably earlier on than most couples get to see it. And it wasn't always fun. It was mostly fun, but... It wasn't always fun, and I think we came out um, just learning a lot about ourselves and learning a lot about each other, and it was just, like, amazing. So what you didn't mention is that you proposed to Liz on the Continental Divide Trail. Is that true? No, that's not true. I think maybe <laughs> Lindsay told you that, but that, that was the original plan. Um, <laughs> so, I, so I had the ring, like, being worked on while we left for the trip, and I was going to send it out. And, and my plan was to propose to her on like the highest summit of, of the trip, but that didn't end up working out. Um, only because I like, got the ring was done and everything, but I was, my family ended up being nervous for me in the, in the fact it was, it's a family ring. It's my grandmother's diamond. Like if, if it had gotten lost in the mail for whatever reason, we were worried that, you know, it's a, it's, you, it's irreplaceable. It's my grandmother's ring. So I decided to wait until we got home and that's, that's when it actually happened. But, that's when I wanted to do it. Well, that's so funny. So that being said, <laughs> obviously you still wanted to do it even after your trials and tribulations on the trail. And you had no idea. They're married now, just to be a spoiler <laughs> alert. Did you know that he wanted to ask you at that point? I don't know if I knew it was going to happen on the trail. I mean, I feel like we kind of had an agreement that like, not an agreement, but I feel like it was heading to that direction. So I was kind of hoping it would happen on the trail. So like every like moment I'd be like, oh, maybe this time. Oh, we're in this town. Maybe it'll happen now. <laughs> and I definitely don't mean to make this about something like marriage, but I did meet Brian's sister today. And when she told me the story, I thought it was pretty awesome. And she said it very nonchalantly. It wasn't like in a romantic way. So anyway, I did want to ask you a couple of more questions about this. So you guys finished the entire trail. When you finished the trail, what do you think made you decide to kind of come back to real life? 
that was kind of more financial, I think. <laughs> it was kind of inevitable. We were just like, all right, well, we just did an awesome trip. Like, now it's time to get back out. We got some of that out of our system. Like, let's let's go back out to the real world and see where it takes us. And at this point, we're kind of still back at the moment where we've, we've met you guys. <laughs> we're like, well, we're so jealous that you guys are off doing what we want to be doing and what we were doing. So we're, we're now reconsidering our lives again <laughs> and maybe thinking about going back into what we were at. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you guys have talked about doing another big trip. And I don't want to discount the real life because Liz and I just had a really long conversation about what she does. And she's a teacher and she's super passionate about it. And she loves teaching kids. But what do you think the next, I guess, the next trip is going to be? Our next trip is definitely through Europe. And we can't wait. We've <laughs> actually been planning this before the trip we even did because that was like our number one but it just wasn't feasible at the moment so we're really excited to definitely get to see so many countries in Europe all at once and yeah so that's probably going to be next summer so we're really really excited and we're already planning that the light that is in her eyes is pretty good so I like to ask people a couple of different questions as far as like a trail goes and I think First of all, we didn't get into this, but on through hikes, on walking through hikes, because you guys did a biking through hike. Walking through hikes, we get trail names. And I asked these two if they had trail names, and they were like, yeah, we don't have trail names, but our bikes have trail names. So I'm really curious to see what those trail names are and how and why you guys got those. I guess we can start with Liz. What's your bike's trail name, and how did it get the trail name? So if you saw my bike, it would make more sense, but my bike... I'll take a picture of it if you have it. <laughs> my bike's name is Bumblebee Tuna. <laughs> okay, so ha tell me how you got the name Bumblebee Tuna. So we went to get these bikes, and for what we were doing, it's not normal. Like, road biking, we're on some pretty rugged trails, so we need... We need mountain bikes, but you can't really have suspension on these bikes because of all the stuff you're packing. So the best bikes for us were um, Salsa Fargos, which don't have suspension but are awesome mountain bikes. And basically they didn't have the model that I wanted um, in the size that I wanted, so I had to compromise with the color to get the size that fit me. So the color was bright yellow um and but it was it was a perfect bike it was everything i wanted except it was very very fucking yellow and um so we named it bumblebee tuna like just because it looks like a bumblebee and bumblebee tuna is what i like to eat so it just it just happened bumblebee tuna is my bike's trail name which apparently is kind of part of me so my trail name that's awesome. <laughs> Ryan, with a Y, what is your bike's name? So I'm Tony, Tony the Tiger. To <laughs> Tony, with an I, for short. <laughs> um, and that's that's just really, there's no huge story behind it. It's just because it's it's orange and, and black, and it, it looks, you know, it's quick like a tiger. It's agile like a tiger, I guess. That's probably why. I think it's really interesting because on the trail, we're using our feet and so I guess our whole persona is, like, who we are. Like, that's that's what's carrying us. But you guys are getting carried by your bicycles, or you're carrying your bicycles. Yeah. Oh. You guys are working together, but your bicycle is a vehicle, and so your bicycle gets the name. 
Did you guys meet other people who were on the trail cycling? Oh, yeah. We met so many cool people, and everybody had a name for their bikes. So it was really cool because, like, we were, like, almost nervous to ask them, like, oh, like, does your bike have a name? Like, is that a weird question to ask? And they were always, like, so quick to be like, oh, yeah, my bike's name is this weird thing. So, like, everybody had a name for their bike. So that was kind of cool that everybody was that as insane as we were. It was comforting. So I, I'm actually really curious about this, and I think this is a good segue into getting into other trails and how people do trails and why people do trails, because through hiking is cool and it has its own subculture, but obviously cycling has a huge, huge subculture. And you guys have already planned the next like two years of your life over for just cycling through Europe. Do you have anything to say about the actual subculture of cycling, like cycling through trails? I, I, I feel like it's very similar to the people that are through hiking. Well, what the trail that we were on, it was a lot of like biking and camping. There's a lot of other trails that go like the trans American. And there's the one that goes down the West coast, the East coast. Those ones go, go through a whole lot of, towns and you're going through a lot of people are staying in hotels and stuff because that's the kind of mileage you're getting every day so i guess we haven't really had that much experience with anything aside from i mean we we would relate more to you guys than we would relate to the people that do sort of the trans-american road just because we were camping almost every single night we were away from civilization a lot of the time so i don't know the culture that we met we, we ran into a lot of the same, we ran into some of the people doing the Continental Divide hiking, hiking trail, which was cool. <laughs> they had big beards, just like, you know, stone rock over here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, everyone has a big beard who hikes, I guess. It's a thing. Shout out. <laughs> so I don't know if there's like a big beard thing for bikers. Bikers don't have that. It's the aerodynamics. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It just doesn't, all doesn't, <laughs> doesn't work, I guess. Clean shaven, bald people. I don't know. <laughs> I do want to ask this question because I think it's like a big sort of a, a separatist question, and I don't want to separate it because again, I think anyone who's doing any kind of a long distance trail, we're doing it for a certain reason, and it's all different reasons, but it kind of translates to the same thing. Why do you think you guys chose to ride a bike instead of walk or hike or drive? Even some people just like to do road trips. Mm-hmm. So, what do you think made you guys decide to do it on a bicycle? Um, I've always loved bike riding and I, I've never been like a crazy bike rider. I've never done any crazy trips, but I've always hopped on my bike just for fun, even just to cruise around the block. So I've always felt kind of passionate about riding a bike. And then I thought, well, you can see more on a bike than you can walking. So why not hop on a bike? So, and the time commitment for me being a teacher was obviously something to think about. So I think those, the the combination of those things caused me to convince this guy to uh, (laughs) hop on a bike with me and drag him along the trail. It was more the vi- it was more the video that you that you sent to me that, yeah. that convinced me. I know. The so video was I, amazing. It's wait, like I have something to say. Um, fun fact: I sent Brian a video without even. Can you tell me what this video is? Because you guys keep talking about the video. Yes. Okay, so I'll send you the link to the video. But basically, I didn't even preview the video, which is like the cardinal <laughs> sin. Like you can't not preview a video and send it to someone. 
And I didn't even preview it, but I just saw Continental Divide Trail and sent it to Brian. I was like, you need to watch this video and then maybe you'll want to do it. And it was the best video ever, which was just very lucky of me because I didn't even watch it. And it just went through the, all the states that the trail takes you through and all the beautiful scenes and these inspirational quotes and this, these inspirational sound it? tunes. And it just, I don't know, like Brian had a moment and he realized that he wanted to do it. He probably secretly, like, had a thing for me, too. Like, it wasn't just the video. He was, like, really wanting to be with me more. And, like, you know, so it all escalated from there. <laughs> what are your thoughts on this? I think I think maybe it just hit me on an emotional day. It was an amazing video. I think, like, the, 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 the music that went along with the video. Obviously, the quotes it. that went along with it. And just like the videography that that went along with it was, it was amazing. It was this guy like riding his bike through like this picturesque Colorado landscape with the Rockies in the background and like these (laughs) bears just casually grazing in the background. And I'm like, that's, and you know, beautiful music and these beautiful quotes. And I'm like, oh my God, like, yeah, here we go. Like, let's do that. You know? So people who are listening to this, keep in mind both of these guys said they hadn't biked more than maybe 10 to 12 miles a day at the most. They're not super rich. They're just normal people. They just started a relationship with each other for possibly a year and decided to undertake probably one of the hardest, craziest, oh, most mountainous. I forgot about most mountainous. So when they first started, they were going through avalanche debris with bicycles. So just a fun fact I'd like to add. We started on July 1st, which we were not aware of, but that's um, Canadian Independence Day. <laughs> so we arrived in Canada, and there was a parade, and I was like, oh, wow, they're celebrating us starting our trip. <laughs> so I felt pretty honored. I felt like kind of a big deal. And then we, you know, we got on our way. We did the trip, and we ended on um, September 16th which happens to be Mexican Independence Day. Um, We were unaware of it at the time, but we ended with another celebration, flags and parades in Mexico. And margaritas, too. And margaritas, yeah. Uh, Don't forget about those. And tacos. You guys can do it. It's a fun time. You might as well celebrate your bordering country's Independence Days, because why not? Can you guys tell me the biggest thing that the trail changed in you guys? Tell me something that was probably the biggest challenge for you physically and mentally that you weren't expecting. And tell me the best thing possible that happened that you saw or felt or anything that you really weren't expecting. Hmm. I'll start with a good. So, the, I mean, the best part, obviously, was, was and it, this is true for every adventure that I've ever been on, ever, any true adventure where you, where you put yourself out there and you're just like, let yourself blow in the wind to whatever anybody you know, whatever you, you let yourself be free is that the people that you meet are totally incredible. They'll like trail magic is one of the terms that everybody uses in through hiking. And it's the same for bike packing. The people that we met were just incredible. That was definitely the best part. Uh, the worst part, that's uh, it's hard to say what the worst part was. There was definitely a lot of bad parts where, where you're like, you know, not, not even like horrible parts, but just parts that were just like, oh, like I, I wish I, I, I looked on the map and I, I saw there was only five miles, but like really this five miles has lasted all, all 
day. <laughs> it's just horrible. And you're like, it shows that the elevation's going up and it's supposed to go down, but like, it's still going up. Like, what the hell's going on? <laughs> and, you know, and like, the Sorry, it's okay. you know, like the the black flies, and you know, it's it's all the little things that add up and compile to make something horrible. It's it's not like anything really horrible happened. It was just, you know, you get yourself in a bad mentality in a bad state, and that happens. That's life. But you you get yourself in one of those situations, and just everything piles up onto everything being horrible <laughs> but then it turns around and somebody's like here's 20 bucks like buy yourself a burger and you're like wow holy crap life is awesome again <laughs> you know? and that's life on the trail i guess what do you think was the best and i want to know this because we've been talking about the appalachian trail and the pacific crest trail on this podcast and the continental divide goes through my holy land in the united states of america tell me quickly one of the best visual landscapes you saw while you were bicycling through the Continental Divide. So my favorite thing, and I definitely didn't expect, I didn't anticipate this to be my favorite because obviously you're going through the Continental Divide, you're crossing the Continental Divide 29 times on this trail. So you're literally going through the Rocky Mountains. I didn't expect, I didn't anticipate the most beautiful scene to be in the Great Basin where it's like very flat. But we were riding through the Great Basin and the moon was rising and the sun was setting like all at the same time. And it was so flat that you could see everything. So the colors in the sky were just like unreal because the sun was reflecting in the sky and the moon was coming up. So like it was just these rays of like golden color and we were riding and it was bright out the whole time because the sun was setting and the moon was rising and it was a full moon and it was just incredible. It was like one of the most beautiful, beautiful landscapes I've ever seen. There was not a person to be seen, not a building to be seen. It was just me and Brian, Brian and I, um, <laughs> in the Great Basin. It's okay, you teach math. Don't worry about it. And reading, in reading though. Yeah, but I'm not certified to teach reading, so... <laughs> <laughs> and it was just it was just beautiful it was just the coolest thing it was just it was we were so alone but it was so awesome it was beautiful that was my favorite landscape i saw so now you get to answer the question um and we're gonna let you answer the question then i want to get to some logistics and then i promise you you're gonna go to bed so what do you think the best the best things that happened that you weren't possibly expecting on this trail like how did it change you and then tell me about some of the physical and mental challenges. I don't know. A lot of people undertake something like this and they're like, they have an idea. They see a video and it's inspirational and they're so stoked. And then they do it and they're like, what am I doing? <laughs> and then they're out there and then they're like, wow, this is why I'm doing this. I think I went into the whole thing like a little bit arrogant and cocky. I've always been like fairly blessed to be semi-athletic and like not struggle and the first day of the trip, um, I've, I've never been on a mountain bike before, <laughs> and I decided to do this trip. So I've done road biking, but I've never mountain biked. And the first day of the trip was 20 miles. So I was like, oh, easy, 20 miles. And it was so difficult. I, like, cried, and I was like, this is, I don't think I'm going to be able to do this. It was the first day. So I think... For me, the hardest part was physically, 
Like, it was physically demanding, for sure. Like, I don't think it's... Not to say I don't think it's anything anyone can do, because I think anyone can do it, but I think you just need to, like, commit to doing it. And once I, like, just got over the fact that, like, I could do it, it just is going to be slower than I had anticipated, I was fine. And I actually think over the course of week one, week two, week three, I got a little bit better and a little bit better and a little bit more comfortable with um, Bumblebee Tuna. For those who don't remember, that's my bike's name. Me and Bumblebee Tuna had a really good relationship after the first few weeks, so I got better. So I didn't anticipate that. I thought I'd be able to just cruise through, and I couldn't. I definitely, I, I could do it, but it was definitely more challenging than I anticipated. On the positive note, I... I expected the coolest part of the trip to be the landscapes and the scenery and the towns we came through and the cities and all of that, but that's what you expect, and that was there for sure, but, like, I didn't anticipate all the amazing hospitality that we came across, and that was across the board. Like, everywhere we went, people were so welcoming. We met some amazing, amazing people. We met people who didn't have anything to give us but found a way to give us something you know like people who literally didn't have electricity or running water and gave us gifts and it was just incredible I mean I just have I have a memory that stands out in my mind of this this family in New Mexico and um they lived in this little hut that they had built with no electricity no nothing and they welcomed us into their home and they made us tea and um, they told us stories, and they offered us a place to stay when it was pouring rain. And um, it was a single dad with he had was raising three young girls, and he was just amazing. And I mean, that's those are the things that stick out. Memories like that, people who have nothing to give but still find a way. You're making me get teary eyed, <laughs> which I don't want to deal with. So. I just want to inform everyone who's listening to this that I didn't know these people at all yesterday. I had no idea who they were. And the trail brought me to this. These folks didn't know us at all, and they offered their place to us. And we're about to sleep in their bedroom with them <laughs> on their floor <laughs> and watch the sunrise on the beach. So I guess we're going to get to the last part of this. If you guys had anything to say to anyone who's listening to this, what would you guys say? What would you say to people who are listening to this? I would say if you really want to do it, and you have to really want it, because if you only sort of want it, it's not going to work. But I, I would say if you really want it, life is short. It's going to end soon. Not, not necessarily. That's not <laughs> negative. But life is short and sweet. So if you really want something, you shouldn't waste time, and you should just go for it. Because uh, what's the worst gonna, that's going to happen? Like, you're going to meet cool people. You're going to do something new and adventurous. And that's never a waste of time. You're going to learn something. Even if, if even if you realize it's not necessarily what you want, you're going to learn something along the way and get back to what you're doing anyway. So I don't think it's ever a waste of time to learn something new or meet new people or figure something out about yourself. Brian, what do you have to say? I feel like I, I had this problem when when I when I first exited high school. I wanted to ju do a trip like this, but I, I was asking around all my closest friends and like, "Hey guys, let's do this," and they're like, 
no, like, we got to work, we got to make money this summer, like, we don't have time to do that, and I was, just got fed up with it, and I said, all right, well, screw that, I'm just going to go off and do it on my own, and it was one of the best decisions that I had made, because I just kind of said, forget about it, like, forget about you guys, I'll do it on my own, and I ended up meeting a lot of really incredible people, and it was a life-changing experience, but, I mean, that's kind of what happens, and I know a lot of people do that through hiking, they start the trail on their on their own, and they ended up meeting a lot of people that end up being their lifelong friends, but it's, there's never going to be a perfect time to do anything, but if you feel like doing it, then then go for it, and it's never going to be a bad decision. It's it's always going to be mm-hmm. something that you're like, you look back on, and if there's anything to look back on in life, it's going to be, you're going to look back on that. You're not going to look back on, oh, I got a promotion back in 2014. <laughs> oh, I was making 14, now I'm making 1575. <laughs> Yeah, like that's never gonna happen. So you know you're gonna look back on your picture and you show your kids and you're gonna feel good about it. So that's I mean that's what ultimately when you're when you're dead there's nothing that matters. So as you might as well enjoy your life while you're here. Oh, kudos to both of you. I'm sitting in Liz and Brian's kitchen with them in a kitchen I probably would never sit in before. I'm supposed to be hiking up Kinsman or Musalak or something like that at this point. It's not happening. I'm in Portsmouth, Rock Ocean Surf today, and I met two of the coolest, raddest, most awesome people ever and had a great interview with them. So I'd like to thank both of you, and I'm super stoked, and it's going to push me to hike through probably the crappiest days, same as you guys, like, going through rainy days. I'm Kim Chi, and I'm signing out. And Yeah, this is Tony the Tiger, and be right. Peace out. <laughs> Bumblebee Tuna says See ya. <laughs> muchas, muchas, muchas gracias. I really enjoyed hearing more about the Continental Divide Trail, and I have hopes that we'll be able to cover it a lot more in the future. For this interview, though, a couple things stuck out to me. The biggest thing is that after watching an inspirational YouTube video, Liz and Brian were actually inspired. I don't know why this seems so amazing. Maybe just because my Facebook feed is chock full of inspirational videos, as are the Facebook feeds of many of my friends, I'm sure. And yet I still have to work to remind myself sometimes how much I really do like to go outdoors and do, you know, inspirational things. Anyhow, I haven't seen this inspirational video yet either. I'm really looking forward to it. And so as soon as I get the link, I will post it to our Facebook page if you would like to look at it as well. I do have other summer plans at the moment, but if you find out later that I'm actually biking the CGT, you'll know what happened. Something else I really appreciated from this interview was Liz being able to admit to going into her adventure feeling a bit arrogant and having to come to terms with how hard something like bicycling for thousands of miles across very big mountains can be. Which seems like a painfully obvious statement, but I keep finding out that in my own personal life, all the coolest things that I've done have also been really hard work. Which is sort of disappointing to have your hobbies turn out to be more difficult than your daily grind of income generation, but I guess you get what you earn. Just a reminder before we sign off that Sounds of the Trail can be listened to on iTunes, or on Stitcher for you Android users, or just on our website if that is most convenient. We also have an Instagram account if you're interested in seeing pictures of some of the voices who have been on the podcast, and our handle for that is super easy, just at Sounds of the Trail. So, once again, thanks everybody for listening. 
Stay tuned for more updates on what we have coming up for the off-season and for next year, and happy trails! Big Rock Candy Mountain You never have to change your socks And little streams of alcohol Come a-trickling through the rocks All the railroad bulls at the tip of their hats And the railroad bulls are all blind There's a little lake of stew and a whiskey too You can paddle all around it in your big canoe On the Big Rock Candy Mountain On the Big Rock Candy Mountain. <laughs>